0: It's the Laura and show. It is the Laura show today. It is. Um, we're going to do,
1: we're back with our Weird Monday stories. Yes, getting your week started right and weird, and Laura is up next. So Laura, weird us out. Do it. Go. All right. <laughs>
0: well, before I start, I was going to tell you that I actually had another story written, but after how shitty and crazy the past couple weeks I've been with what's going on in the news and yeah. everything.
1: I thought we could use a story about the helpers. Like Mr. Always look for the helpers. Yes. Um, which reminds me of the mints that I got when we were at Andy Warhol Museum. The encouragement. Mints. <laughs> Remember? They're yeah. in my room. But yeah. <laughs> anyway.
0: Right. I love it. Me- okay.
1: A weird right. story about helpers. Yeah,
0: well, it's not weird so much as just interesting and something I don't think a lot of people know.
1: Great, I love it. I'm All excited. Right. So okay, here we go.
0: My sources are uh, maritime-executive.com and titanicfacts.net.
1: Mm. Oh, okay. Oh. So,
0: on Thursday, April 11th, 1912, Carpathia, left New York almost unnoticed just after noon, bound for Trieste, as usual on a journey which, for momentous reasons, it would never complete, but a journey which would take it from insignificance to celebrity. At about the same time, on the other side of the Atlantic, a hugely celebrated Ocean Greyhound was leaving Queenstown and heading west on her maiden voyage to New York. It was Titanic, brand new pride of the White Star Fleet, commanded by Captain Edward Smith on his last voyage before retirement. Titanic had on board many rich and famous socialites, celebrities of the day, and her departure from Southampton had been as celebrated as Carpathia's had been unnoticed.
1: Wow. Okay. This is going to be good. Yay. Right.
0: Uh, in command of the Carpathia was 42-year-old Austin Rostron, an officer with Cunard since 1895 and master of Carpathia for just three months. Mm. With him were 700 passengers, 150 of them elderly American tourists, and most of the rest former emigrants making a visit home. So at 1215 a.m. on the morning of April 15th, Carpathia's wireless operator, Harold Cottam, was in the process of untying his shoes in readiness for bed. He was 10 minutes later than he would normally um, than he normally would be in turning in.
1: Mm.
0: And l- luckily, his earphones were still clamped to his head. Oh, um, OK. Had they not been, um, there would be no Titanic survivors. Um, he was actually supposed to be off work at midnight. Wow. OK. So on receiving the first SOS from Titanic at 1215, Cottam raised Captain Rostron, who had already retired for the night. Uh, And the captain in turn rose to the challenge of his first maritime emergency with impeccable practical thoroughness. After a brief moment of disbelief um, in which he questioned Cottom about the certainty of his seemingly preposterous claim that the the Titanic was in distress. Remember the unsinkable ship? Unseekable ship, yeah. Rostron immediately ordered a change of course, uh, which in and of itself, the fact that they decided to go... Um, Because they were pretty far from the Titanic. Uh, They were 58 miles. And they could only go 14 knots. That was the top speed. The very, very max speed of this ship. Okay, Um, And at that speed, it would take over four hours to get there.
1: Jesus. Right.
0: So the captain knew that that was way too long. So he hauled ass. So we got the chief engineer... Um, and he ordered him to turn off the heat and the hot water so that every ounce of steam, because it was steam engines, um, could be used to drive the engines. All off-duty stokers were raised from their beds to shovel coal into the furnaces as fast as they could. Wow. Um, Next, the captain ordered his first offer to begin specific preparations. The lifeboats were to be slung out, lighting rigged along the ship's sides. All shell doors were opened in readiness and slings made to haul up the children and the infirm ladders and rigging lowered, and the ship's forward cargo cranes made, ready to lift aboard, luggage, belongings, and lifeboats.
1: Good God, my God.
0: Right. So meanwhile, all remaining crew were summoned to duty and preparations were made to um, receive the 2,000 Titanic passengers in the public rooms. Okay. Um, Blankets and warm clothing were gathered to distribute, and tea, coffee, and soup were prepared. First aid points were established in three dining rooms, with a doctor in charge of each. When all was ready, the ever thoughtful roster and ordered his crew to take hot coffee in preparation for the long night ahead. Wow. Yeah, the ship, meanwhile, strained and shuddered as it edged past her maximum speed as every stoker shoveled coal into the furnaces. 15, 16, and finally 17 knots were achieved oh my as the God. ship right, surged through the darkness without radar past glistening icebergs visible to the lookouts only by the reflection of the stars.
1: Oh, thank now, God it was a clear night.
0: Right. They were navigating as well. Yeah. Through an ice field. Um, I don't remember if it comes up later, but they say that um, they passed like 20-some icebergs on the way. So at 4 a.m., Carpathia reached Titanic's position and Carpathia's engines were stopped as the crew, together with many passengers now on deck, having been alerted both by the hustle of preparations and sure. the increasingly cold, now with the quarters. Right. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> from the heat being shut off, yeah. Right. So they were all, everybody's looking for the ship. Suddenly, they saw a green flare fired by Titanic's lifeboat number two, and the first survivors came aboard at 4.10 a.m. Oh my god. By 8.30 a.m., Charles Lighttaller, the final person to be rescued, stepped aboard Carpathia. Carpathia. Now carrying double her original complement of passengers, Carpathia steamed slowly among record- wreckage and icebergs seeking more survivors, but they
1: found none. And by this um, point, Titanic had gone, gone. completely under. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So his next decision
0: was where to go. Um, oh, the other thing I was going to say, too, is people were dying in the lifeboats. So even if they were in the lifeboats, it was freezing. Right. They're yeah. wet. Right, they're getting. That's four hours later. Yeah. The, and God knows how long they. You know,
1: in the water, freezing whatever. water. Yeah, yeah,
0: and just cold. Right. Um.
1: So the fact that he got there that fast most certainly saved lives. And then was still able to like sail on once he got everybody, and then still able. You would think that that boat would be like, I'm done. I'm very tired. You have pushed me to my max capacity, and I just right. can't go any further. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, his next decision was where to go. Um, Halifax was ner- nearest, but the passage would involve going through more um, ice <laughs> ice fields, and he felt that the survivors had had enough. Little trauma um,
1: for yeah. everybody, yeah. Okay.
0: Um, and the Azores would have been the best destination to keep uh, Carpathia on course and incur the least cost to his company, but the ship had insufficient supplies for such a journey with the new numbers of people. Um, <laughs> So and he, at he least had least cost to his from.
1: company. He's even still like trying to like help the company. Like <laughs> right? wow, this guy. You don't hear a lot yeah, about right? this guy, right?
0: No, and I have never really heard the story of how I, um, intensely
1: they pushed to get there to help people. Right. You always hear about the Carpathia was the one that came and rescued everybody out of mm-hmm. the ocean, but
0: and the other one ignored that's the kind the of distress call. That's yeah, what you hear.
1: yeah. But that was
0: actually closer <sighs> and faster.
1: Yeah, because of course this that's like
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's what always happens.
1: But this guy, you know, really, yeah. really, was fucking awesome. Let's get tea and coffee and soup ready for them. They're <laughs> going to be freezing. Oh my god! Right. Wow. Okay. All right. So, um, so he headed back to New York.
0: Um, the passengers and crew did what they could, giving up beds and clothing to those who had survived near freezing temperatures, often <sighs> inadequately dressed. But for many inconsolable widows, nothing could be done save allow them to cry themselves out. Mm -hmm. Carpathia was besieged by calls from the press, which Rostron ordered were to be ignored. And when it finally arrived in New York on the morning of April 18th, it was accompanied upriver by reporters and hired tugboats shouting questions
1: through megaphones. So the press were dicks even way back then.
0: Right. Yeah. Even back then. Wow. So... (laughs) Eventually, the vessel uh, berthed at 9.30 a.m. at Pier 54, which it had just left seven days earlier. So, though he received much praise and um, was decorated for his calm and exemplary actions, um, Rostron was reluctant to speak publicly about the Titanic disaster. Mm. And the references in his autobiography, Home from the Sea, published after retirement, were self-effacing and devoid of sensation. Aww. But in response to a journalist querying many years later how the little ship could have been coursed to travel at a speed greater than the maximum which it was supposedly capable, yeah. and how it had progressed safely at such speed through ice in the dark, yeah. the deeply religious Rostron simply replied, A hand other than mine was on the wheel that night. And that is the story from the Carpathia. Oh my God! And wonderful crew.
1: They went to help Titanic laura <laughs> i love it oh my god i love it i wow i don't even wow
0: so it's not necessarily a weird story for this monday but i found no.
1: that story so it's, cool and
0: interesting and something you don't hear about yeah like the titanic disaster
1: yeah always look for the helpers yeah right. and they need yeah they may not want it like this guy but it is important to to um shine a light on those helpers maybe not like force them to you know talk about how they helped or whatever but they they're they're very important um, they're very important and uh this was excellent excellent story. great job. I'm so glad you liked. loved it, loved it. <laughs> loved it. Um, yeah, because you do hear about the carpet you always hear that that's the ship that came to scoop everybody right. out of the ocean but you don't or at least I have never heard anything more than that right how i didn't even know what like was it a passenger ship was it a cargo ship was it a you know i had no mm -hmm. idea even what kind of ship it was yeah they again i had never heard this either um
0: and just happened to come across it and was like this is a good this this is a good one it's a good
1: one yay i love it good job Good job. I'm glad. So yeah, guys, this is a perfect story to start off your week. Um, Hope you enjoyed it. Hope it gave you all of the warm and fuzzies as it did me, Laura. (laughs) This was so great. This was really great. great. Um, My story next week. Not great. It's going (laughs) to suck.
0: Yeah, my other one, that's why I changed it. I was like, you know, I I need something positive. Yeah, yeah. I think other people will probably enjoy it too. Plus, it's such
1: an interesting story. But yeah,
0: I was like, "Eh, we'll do that Mm -hmm. one later.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Mine actually is going to come with a a graphic content (laughs) 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 award.
0: So good, it's my week.
1: Yeah, so yay. Good job, Laura. Carrie, next week. Downhill from there um anyway guys hope you have a wonderful week and um for those of you celebrating graduations be safe out there on the roads because i'm also celebrating a graduation and i'm going to be out there on the roads my beautiful niece emma graduates from high school so um on friday the 10th so uh everybody be safe everybody celebrate graduation to beautiful she just graduated high school Ah yes, happy graduation to beautiful. Oh my God! So beautiful. Oh, everybody's just,
0: graduating right now.
1: Everybody's graduating right now. There's beautiful, and then gorgeous. Um, mm-hmm. I call my niece Emma gorgeous. Um, and have since the day she was born. So much so that Coy uh, didn't actually know what her name was. Um, one day they were about. I think Coy was uh eight and emma was six and i said something um on the phone to jennifer about emma and when i got off the phone koi was like who's emma and i said emma is, that's gorgeous and he was like <laughs> oh her name is emma i this i i thought her name was gorgeous <laughs> <laughs> Wait, okay. no yeah so uh congratulations to beautiful and to gorgeous um Yeah, that's that on that, guys. Uh, As we say here at History of Haunting, stay safe out there because you never know who or what is listening and look for the helpers. Good job, Laura. This was a great one. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.